people today talk about how competitive the marketplace is or how Phoenix is too competitive or Chicago just passed the law and now it's going to get tougher to wholesale properties. To me, that's all noise. You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. And today our guest is Stuart Gethner. If you have followed me for any length of time, you know that me and Stuart uh, go back quite a while. He's here, local guy here in Phoenix Market, but he's also from Chicago. So we connect on both locations in Phoenix and in Chicago. So we've done, you know, numerous deals together. Uh, Stuart is 15 years teaching at the local RIA uh, 12 years online classes teaching for the national RIA and he's a real estate instructor for the integrated wealth systems. Um, he retired as a pharmacist. He's a business owner. He's a father, dog lover, steward. What else, man? It seems like you got a lot of things going on. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Glad to be here. If, if I had my druthers, I, I would have rather been a major league baseball player. That's something I would have rather have been. So couldn't hit a curveball very well, so I ended up doing pharmacy. So tell me, being from Chicago, White Sox or the Cubs, man? Uh, for the longest time when I was a kid growing up, it was the White Sox. Okay. But, um, but uh, I've become a Cub lover over the past few years because they broke the ice and they finally won the World Series. Oh, Champions. don't tell me you switched from the South Side to being a North Sider, huh? Well, that's I got some pressure from my Aunt Charlotte, so. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I'll blame it on Aunt Charlotte then. <laughs> so, Stuart. Uh, thank you again for being on here, man. So um, we're just going to talk real estate. So one of my first questions that I have for you, man, you transitioned from being a pharmacist, you retired from that to be to going into real estate full time. Tell me, what was your inspiration into getting started with real estate? So I had always been uh, fascinated with people creating wealth through real estate, and it, it had always been like in the top top Forbes top hundred who makes their zillions of dollars in what industry. And it was real estate. My struggle was as a pharmacist um, and, and having a decent income, I went through divorce. And so I had two small daughters and instead of having two incomes, we had one income trying to live the lifestyle of two incomes. And, and pharmacy was always very good to me, but very limiting as to what I could make. And we have an expression, managed care does neither. They don't manage it very well, and they don't really care. The only thing they care about is their bottom line profits. They don't care about us. Gotcha. Had, had, had an incident with my daughters coming back from, um, coming back from uh, uh, an event that, that, that they did out here, uh, out here in the Valley. We had this thing called the Renaissance Festival. And my little girls always wanted to, they like to go get the little tattoo hennas. And so I, I, upon returning from one of those, uh, my gas light went on in my car on the way back. And it was very frustrating for me to have to get off the freeway and put gas in my car with my little two little girls sleeping in the car seats and back, wondering if my Discover card was going to be approved or not. I, I'd known I was but up against my limit, 
And um, and I was just thinking to myself as I as I waited for the the pump to decide whether I could have gas. <laughs> um, there's got to be a better way. And 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 someone who is a pharmacist, or a healthcare professional, it's kind of embarrassing not being able to provide for my family, falling behind on my promises, falling behind on my promises not just to my family, to my kids, but to myself. And I started to take this seriously, looking for another way to generate some income. Um, and, and I always loved real estate. So when the opportunity presented itself, I just educated myself. And I got myself a coach or a mentor, and he helped hold my hand through some of the rough waters. And, you know, you never get hit by the bus you see coming. But when you start something, you don't see any buses coming. So That's true. You know, so I transitioned to doing that. I had a chance to uh, to get out of pharmacy in 2014 and haven't really, I'm still a pharmacist. I still keep my license active. I'm still a certified fitter, but I do okay. real full time because I'll put in the time now. So in a few years, I can just be doing whatever I want. Gotcha. Gotcha. So when you made that transition from a pharmacist to a full-time real estate investor, and you said that you were you were doing a lot of education and studying. Who did you follow? What was what was some of the uh, coursework that you followed? Great, that's a great question. So back then, I don't think I'm that old, but we didn't have YouTube University. So YouTube gotcha. <laughs> bigger pockets. I would have been watching you, Marcus. Uh, there's quite a few others I, I, I'd follow and educate myself, uh, Matt Terrio, with some real life examples. However, back in the day, uh, we would just have guys come to town and sell what I would call like their dog and pony show books and tapes in the back of the room. So the the number one course that I bought that was probably the least expensive and the most informative was Carlton Sheets's uh, How to Buy Real Estate with No Money Down. Oh, that's a, a classic. Okay, don't if you are, you are you familiar with that? Yeah, yeah, it's a classic. Carlton Sheets. Yep. Yeah, and that was the first one. And uh, then there was a guy named Wade Cook, and a guy named Dave Del, Dave Delgado. Uh, but what really, I think, put me over the hump, to be very honest with you, was a guy named Summers White. Um, he lives here in, in, in the Valley. Uh, he's a professional coach, professional speaker. He's an elderly gentleman. He's spoken on all seven con continents. He, he was the one that really helped me with mindset. Um, he, he wasn't free. In fact, when I hired him, I couldn't afford him. So I had, okay. to, get, I had to get an increase on my credit card and then do a credit card advance because I knew this guy could help me. Um, gotcha. He really was a great inspiration. He's still around today, and I consider him a mentor and a friend. Okay. So that's how you got started. So let's talk about that first transaction. You know, people kind of hesitant about that first transaction because, like you said, you don't know what bus is coming because you're not looking for any buses. So tell us about that, that first transaction that got you into real estate. So the first transaction, the first thing I ever did on real estate was I did a fix and flip. And I did it in the in, in Mesa, Arizona, and I was able to get um, uh, like five or six days off in a row every few weeks from my job as a pharmacist. And I put those full time those time full time hours into getting that fix and flip. And I'll never forget when I got the fix and flip done um, back in the day. I was probably selling it for one fifty, which was a lot of money back then, right? Yeah. I remember putting flyers in the bucket. I'd print off my own flyers. I put them in the bucket and I learned a couple lessons. The first lesson I learned was all your neighbors take the flyers the first time. So if you spend the money on the flyers, they're all going to go to your neighbors. Right? Yep. Yep. The second lesson I learned was a neighbor came in and she looked at me and she said, you think you're going to sell this for 150? I'm like, you know, do you think I'm too low? And she goes, Oh no, you're way too high. This will never sell. And I'm thinking to myself, you really want me to sell this for 150 right right that, 
your house value goes up. So I learned that not everybody understands the concept of real estate investing. So yeah, got some of those lessons out of the way first time through. Okay. So with that first transaction, your financing, uh, was it hard money? Was it private money? Or was it your own money? How did you yeah, uh, finance? Day, I, I, used, uh, I used traditional financing, which was a mistake because you don't want to go down to your local bank for a fix and flip because they're not asset-based lenders. They're, uh, they're, they're, you know, they're pulling tax returns. Yeah, personal lenders. Writing. Right. But I didn't know that back then. So, um, so now it now would be completely different. It would be hard money because it's yep. short term. But back then, I actually went through underwriting. took a while. I was working with a seller that was out of state that had like a grandma pass away. So they were nice and patient with me. And um, yeah, so that first transaction, my funding was, I want to say um, Washington Mutual, if you remember them. That's okay. The WAMU. That's what I did my first fix and flip with. So how did you how did you find that deal? Was it was it off market? Was it on market? It was off market, and um, and there was a, a a realtor that I knew at the time, still friends with her today, Jill Gerber, and she knew that I was trying to get into real estate and doing a flip, and so she called me and she just said, "Hey, I have something you might be interested. In. I I think the family's out of state." and they're willing to let it go for a song and a dance, would you be interested? And I was like, sure. So it was a referral from someone who knew, who knew I was just getting in. So I was very, okay. appreciative, very appreciative. Again, the power of relationships and networking people, you have to network, you have to you know, build that team. So um, how did you find Jill? How did you find that realtor? So that's funny you ask. So I met Jill because when I moved to Arizona, um, and I was working as a pharmacist for Walgreens. She came in to Walgreens and, you know, these realtors always wear their little name badges, right? Yep. Yep. So I, uh, I introduced myself to her, told her I just moved here and eventually I would like to buy a house to live in. And she just stayed in touch with me and she sold me my first personal residence that I lived in. So we kind of became friends that way. And, uh, and then she knew that I was going to try to do real estate investing and must have told her. So she found me that property on Portobello street in Mesa, Arizona. Okay. All right. So that was the first deal, first deal done in the books. Now with that first deal, was there any hiccups? Did you have any oh, setbacks? Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I remember there was a huge rock in the backyard that I was going to move and try to put a gazebo there. And all it was was like the surface of this rock. And I figured I could just dig it out. And the more and more I started digging around it, it was more like an unbelievably sized boulder than it was a rock. I could barely lift it. I remember the shower doors. I wanted to clean the shower doors with some CLR. I mm -hmm. thought I could clean them. I took the shower doors off. I started cleaning one with CLR. Not only did it not work, I broke the glass on the shower door. <laughs> <laughs> and there are hiccups all along the way, trust me. Okay, okay. And then, so you got the fix and flip finished. Well, first of all, so you had the realtor on your team. She brought you the deal. She did. What about the contractor? Who did the work? How did you find the contractor? Honest to God, that's a great question. I, I try to do most of the work myself because I try to learn me and Home Depot. So I'd go to Home Depot. Uh, over time, uh, um, um, my brother-in-law was a plumber and I had another brother-in-law that, um, that did some electrical. So they helped me. Um, okay. un unfortunately, I'm not married to that family anymore. But, but back in the day, that, those, those people that came out and they helped me. You betcha. I, it's hard to do it alone. I thought I could do it alone. In fact, I really wanted to do it alone. And then as time went on, I realized to myself, why do you want to do it alone? There are people out there that want to help. I'm thinking the more I do alone, the more money I'll make, the more money. <laughs> and you know, that's, that's a scarcity mentality. Yep, I think yep. 
and positive and prosperous. There's enough for everybody. And then, you know, you could argue if you gave it to an electrician, it'll just get done faster, which will save you days on market, which will put more money in your pocket. So absolutely. What are my lessons? And that's where I was going to go with that, you know, because if you, you know, outsource some of that work, you can get it done quicker and get that property on market and save you finance costs, you know, get it on the market quicker, get it sold quicker so you can move on to the next deal. So sweet. So did it turn out to be a success? It was a success because I made money. Um, okay. Um, the, the, and it was a success because I had a good experience and I wanted to do it again. And, and it was a success because I learned a lot of lessons that I, that I wouldn't do a second time. So it was a tremendous success. Okay, perfect, perfect. So you got the first deal done. I know you're feeling like a superhero, you know, chest sticking out. You got some money in your pocket. What was next after that? What did you do next? Um, I realized that I can do this. And I realized that there were other facets besides flipping that I could look into. And, um, and so uh, I started looking at wholesaling. So I, I, I worked on another flip and I worked on another wholesale deal. And I, I, again, just, just like you said, Marcus, I met people along the way. So I met this, I met this nice lady. Her name is Mariana Wynn and she lived in Mesa and she might still live there. And she was big. She was, she called herself the queen of fourplexes. So she came and visited me when I was doing my fix and flip on that street on Portobello. And, and we're still friends today. Um, she, um, so, so you meet people when you network and they give you not just inspiration, but they give you ideas on how to do the same thing differently. And they also help you um, invest in relationships. So now you can build your team with people that are from referrals, not just looking on Yelp or back in the day it would have been the yellow pages. Absolutely. And I can, I can second that because I remember when I first moved here to Phoenix, um, I went to the RIA meeting and you were teaching and this is, I was completely green to real estate. You was teaching me like the introductory class to real estate, getting into real estate investing. And I remembered you. And then when I started, I met you again. It was about a year later. Yep. I had a deal yep. and contacted you and you came out. We didn't yep. get that deal done, but it built that relationship between me and you. And then, um, we ended up starting closing deals together. So like you said, it's that networking and building those relationships. If I wouldn't have been aggressive and, and talked to you after class, I wouldn't have never got your car. We wouldn't have never been able to build that rapport. So again, I always tell you this. Thank you. You were one of the ones that helped. So you're welcome. And to, and to be honest, I remember that property. I believe it was, it was north of Union Hills. Yep, exactly. I remember that. Yep. I was very impressed with you because it was then I learned you also had an MBA. And so you're not, you're just not educated. You're, uh, you're also professionally educated and street smart. So I try and put it all together, Stuart. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it don't. <laughs> don't we know it? <laughs> so let's talk about, um, I know you're doing some things now. Currently we closed the deal, you know, um, a little while back. It was maybe a year ago. So what are you doing currently right now, Stuart? Um, I, I still do real estate. So I own a company called Phelps Capital and Consulting and uh, I, I, I comment it's a real estate investment firm. So we'll do fix and flip. We'll do wholesaling and we'll work with investor capital to deploy it, to invest with them. So we, we do all kinds of, all kinds of real estate. Um, got a flip that I'm doing right now in Waddell, Arizona. 
So I, I haven't stopped doing those. But okay. over time, I've learned that, uh, like I did this, uh, one, of the, one, of, one of the best deals I've ever had, uh, I made about $90,000 on on a flip, one of my best deals. And I thought, and I thought, and I still think that that's a lot of money. What I learned was after you paid the bills, paid off Home Depot, reimburse yourself for the labor, this, that, and the other. And as time goes on, as life happens, that 90,000, it doesn't last forever. Yeah, yeah. So, right, a, a month, a week, a year, two years, whatever it is, at some point in time, it, it's not sustainable. In other words, the checks don't come in. I, I gotta do it again, and I gotta do it again. So over time, I've learned for me that a buy and hold is a good strategy. And so for the past maybe two, three years, I've been focusing on picking up properties. We've bought like three fourplexes here in the Valley over the past couple of years, some more uh, single family residences. So I'm trying to create more passive cash flow. And, and when people hear the word passive, they, they think that there's no work involved, but that's not what that means. There, there's work involved. So even though I, I have a, quite a few doors um, and the checks come in on the first, uh, most of the time, all, almost all the time, um, there's still you know repairs that need to be done or just things that need oversight and looking at. So uh, I'm focused on creating passive cash, so cash flow, so okay. I can traveling and spend more time with my family. So let's talk about this $90,000 uh, fix and flip, because that seems like that was, was that like one of your best deals ever? Yep. Okay, so let's talk about that one, man. How did you make 90 grand on a deal here in Arizona? It was, it was the higher level property. So it was outside the uh, traditional wheelhouse of a cookie cutter home. It was also in, our, in East Valley called, called Mesa. And it was like one of those little McMansions. Um, okay. But at the time, uh, you know, we bought it in the 300s and we, we put some time, effort and energy into it. And we sold it in the, in the 500s. Um, uh, you know, some lessons learned on that one. That one had like vaulted ceilings, like really high, vault, like 14 feet vaulted ceilings. And we did this flip in the summertime. Ah, and so um, air conditioning, yeah, air conditioning. <laughs> they're proud of their prices for air conditioning in the summertime in Arizona. So, you know, a lot, a lot of those dollars went to utilities and such, especially when we we're blowing out doors and putting in French doors or doing things of that nature. So, so I, uh, go ahead. So how did you, how did you find that deal? First of all, let's start there. That deal came as another referral from another realtor that I knew, um, a, a guy named, uh, Ted Smith, who worked okay. for Keller, and he called me and he said, I, I know you do real estate investing. I got this pretty, you know, pretty big size property. They, they really don't want to list it because they don't want to uh, have to fix it up and have to do the work on it. They just kind of want to dump it. You know, would you be interested? And I said, sure. So I uh, went there and I met him there. And it was a little daunting because I hadn't really done a project that big. And this is going back a few years. So in the 300s for me. That was probably maybe like five or buying a five or six hundred thousand today, selling it for eight or nine hundred thousand. Okay. A little bit outside my wheelhouse, but I but I had some time. I, I had some confidence, and I had a few dollars, and I thought I had the right team, and so I put the team together, and uh, and we did we did a nice job with that property. So financing on that one was hard, it money, it was hard, hard money. Okay. And then I've been using hard money since that first deal on Portobello. Hard money ever since. Okay. Okay. So you're using hard money. Um, how long did it take for you guys to get that one uh, wrapped up as far as the construction? About six months. We ran it for about six months. So it took, it, it took uh, probably six months to get it done and then maybe another 45 days to close. Okay. So you're all in, let's just say eight months. So you're carrying that property for eight months yes. and, and you still 
netted, you know, 90K on a deal. Yeah, we did. Yep. Perfect. Perfect. Um, so did you use the same realtor that referred the property to uh, list it? As a matter of fact, we did. That was, uh, that was part of the deal. So, and I did on the one in Portobello. You know, my, my, my current lovely bride, Stephanie, is a realtor. And, and in my opinion, everybody needs to make a living. And so I, I have never, ever, ever hammered a realtor to reduce their commission for me, ever. You know, oh, can you do it for 2%? If they volunteer to do it for 2%, I'll right. do it. Right, absolutely. But, but, I, but I, I think everyone's entitled to make a living. Back to that prosperous mentality instead of scarcity. So <clears throat> my thought with him was that if I did a nice job and let him list it, and I bought it from him, might he bring me another deal? I call those deals grandma die deal. When grandma dies, the kids live somewhere else. They yep. don't want to spend the money to fix it up, right? Oh, if you just paint it. Oh, if you just put new flooring in. They don't have the money. They just want to sell it. To them, if they get a hundred grand, that's a, that's found hundred grand that they never would have had before. So those grandma die deals, we, we love those deals. And so if I'm good to them as as realtors, you know they, they don't they don't get it they don't get those deals very often. But when right. they do, I want them to think of me. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, now let's talk about what was your most creative deal? You know, a deal that you kind of got into, and you was like, hey, I got to be kind of creative in order to pull this off. Great. That, that's a great, that's a great question. And, and thank you for bringing that up. So when I was divorced and I had my kids, um, my, my two daughters, I was living on uh, 5050 East Roy Rogers in, in Cave Creek and I was renting and I, and I really wanted to buy a house for me and the kids. I didn't want to continue to rent. Mm -hmm. And so um, I just kept driving the neighborhood on Saturdays and Sundays, going to open houses, looking for maybe someone that might sell or finance. And gotcha. I came across a house near when I was working in the pharmacies, near one, near one of my pharmacies, that um, I went in and I spoke to the realtor. And I said, you know, um, I'm having some challenges. I, I went through divorce, some things on my credit. Not sure I'm going to get a loan. You know, I'm, uh, tell the truth. And right. you know, would the seller be interested in seller financing? And he was, a, he was a developer, believe it or not, the guy that sold the house. And she said, you know what? Let me ask. And so she asked and he said he would be interested. And he wanted to make sure I was legit. So I pulled my credit report. I showed him my tax returns. Um, and I explained to him, I sat down with him a couple of times. Here's my dilemma, going through divorce, got some credit issues, can't get, can't get a loan at this time or this price point. You know? and, and so he took the paperwork and he looked it over and he got back to me and he agreed. And so for me, um, and, and I moved into that house and, and, and I raised my, my kids there. And so it served its purpose and it's, it's a great house. My, my, my daughters remember it fondly. Recently just sold it to, to another family. But, but to me, that proved that, that it could be done. So mm -hmm. when I hear people today talk about how competitive the marketplace is or how Phoenix is too competitive or Chicago just passed the law and now it's going to get tougher to wholesale properties, to me, that's all noise, right? Yeah. If we just focus on what we're trying to accomplish and create a pathway to get there, and start in small baby steps and make adjustments along the way, it showed me that anything is, is doable. And so from that transaction, Marcus, I've done countless subject to transactions, taken over property subject to, sold on lease options. It really Sweet. opened up for me the creative juices for real estate. That's good. That's good. Especially, um, you know, in a market such as this, you know, here in Phoenix and really across the nation, you know, everybody's like, well, it's harder to find deals. You can't find deals, can't find deals with margin, but you have to be creative in order to make those deals work. So 
and I think it's just really good karma coming back on you, you know, for some of your previous deals where you said, hey, I'm not going to beat down, you know, the uh, realtor on their commission. This this developer, he didn't have to do that for you. You know, he could have said, hey, you know what? I just need a straight transaction. Let's get it done. And um, and I'm pretty sure he probably could have held the property himself. But he said, hey, you know what? I'm going to give this guy a chance. And you honored that agreement. So that was, that was, you know, good representation on your end and on his end. And from that, you learn, you know, that, hey, I can do more of these deals down the line. So that's, that's awesome. So you really learn from that. So tell me about, I know you're doing some educational things, doing some things in the educational space. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about that. Kind of what are you doing you know, with, with the educational piece. So for me, uh, <clears throat> that day that I had to put gas in my car with my daughters in the backseat, wondering if my discover card was going to work from the, on that day, I remember saying to myself, if I figure this out, like, uh, as, as you know, you're praying to God, you know, if, if you help me with this, mm-hmm. I promise I'll help back. Right. And, um, and, and my wish came true. It, it came true. I, I've been very fortunate. I've done very well in real estate. Real estate has been very, well to me, whether it was been single family, condos, flipping, wholesaling, buy and hold, it's been fair. It's been more than fair. I've been very, very fortunate. And so it, as, as a way to give back, you know, I taught for the local RIA here for 15 years, beginners how to do it. And I wanted to expand that. I wanted to give back more. And so twice a year, uh, I hold conferences where I bring in speakers and we educate. And so I, um, I'm a big Tony Robbins fan. And, and Tony Robbins teaches that, um, uh, and I, I subscribe to, I, I don't like the hard sell. I don't like the hard sell where, um, but that's not all. If you buy today, I'll throw in, you know, right. that's who I want to be. So I, I educate. So I put on educational conferences and I'll, I'll do a three day, I'll do a one day and it'll be on how to work with investors or how to get started or whatever the topic is. And then if people want my services, if people want some hand-holding, great. If people go to those and realize that it's not for them, you know, great. Uh, if they go and they can do it all on their own because they get all the information, I don't hold back, then great. So I've served the community. And to me, that, that gives me a warm and fuzzy. I, and I really, yep. I, I just love it. I'm very passionate about it. Well, that goes into, you know, my tie it all together section. You know, one of my questions in there is what do you think is the greatest commodity outside of capital? Um, and what, what are you currently doing for the community? And I think that educational piece has definitely helped people, helping people to learn the right way and learn, you know, the way being integrous, you know, doing everything in integrity. So that's, that's great. I'm going to add to that. So, so as far as the greatest commodity, because when we hear the word commodity, we think of stuff like, what do you need? And, um, and I would absolutely say um, mindset. Mm-hmm. So my, mindset and attitude are so important. And when, when we look to think that we ha- if, if we need one or don't we need one, uh, we all need one. Even I, I remember, and what got me started, to be very honest, I mentioned, you know, I'd rather be a professional baseball player. So I'm a baseball fan. So I remember when A-Rod, Alex Rodriguez, was like mm-hmm. the MVP. He was Mr. Everything, hitting for power average uh, in Seattle, uh, yep. Texas, Yankees. I, I remember they, they interviewed him once, and he mentioned that he had, he had his own personal coaches. So he had coaches on the coaching staff, but his own personal ones themselves, one for offense, one for defense. And the, and the uh, interviewer was asking him, like, 
why do you have your own personal coach? Like, isn't it enough of what you have already? And, and, he's, and, and, and he's like, well, do you, do you see my statistics? His fielding average, his batting average and such. Like, well, yeah, they're outstanding. And he says, I, I attribute that excellence, that little bit, the little 2% more of being better than everybody else to those that help me with my mindset and help me with my individual challenges. So when I heard that he had one for offense and defense, I said to myself, I, I got to get a coach and someone that can help and that can mentor me through the storms. So, you know, anybody can sail the ship when the ship is, um, when the water's like on glass and yep. there's waves coming. It's when the waves hit. It's when the, you know, what hits the fan. It's when yeah. that happens. That, that's when you need true leadership. And, uh, and we all have it happen to us in different facets of our lives. So the best commodity outside of capital is, is some of the keep my mindset on track and making sure that I don't tell myself these little stories that make me want to almost give up. So because, um, because sometimes it gets so frustrating, you just wonder, you know, that maybe I should just go back and fill prescriptions, and it yep. might be, you know, and um, and and I don't. I just keep absolutely. On. And and you know what? I I have to fight that sometimes, you know, as well. And people think that real estate is really really easy, but you know, sometimes you have this downtime, and you're like, hey, I'm not closing the transaction, I'm not doing a deal. You know, most people, especially if they're entrepreneurs going they have to be doing something have to be moving and when you have that downtime and you're not moving it's like okay what do I supposed to be doing you know and that that crossed me too I was like well you know what I got an MBA I can go back into human resources I can do that I always got a fallback but I'm like but that's not what I want to do and that's not my purpose my purpose is real estate you know so man kudos to you about the mindset you know making sure you have that strong mind Mindset and attitude. I mean, you ever go into a restaurant or go into a store and you can just tell someone just has like a bad attitude or they got some negative energy with them, you know? And so yep. uh, the same can be said about positive. And so I, I, I want to make sure I surround myself with uh, people with similar mindsets, positive and prosperous, because no, no matter what, no matter how successful you are, um, there's always that second side of the coin that's uh, whispering stories into your head. So absolutely. Um, call them weeds. So if you don't tend to your garden, something's going to grow in your garden anyway. Then they call those weeds. So we got to get rid of those weeds and just keep focused on the, the, the desired outcome. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So Stuart, you've been doing this for many years. Knowing what you know now, if you had to start all over again, what would you do differently? If I had to start all over again, what would I do differently? Um, I would think bigger. Okay. I I would not limit myself to just the single family residences uh, for, or, or for, for to buy and hold or to flip or to wholesale. I would have thought more, uh, gotten more into bigger dollars because as I've grown, um, I've noticed that sometimes it's easier to have four apartments under one roof than four separate houses. It's more efficient to have 16 under one roof than it is to have eight duplexes. So I think if I would have started earlier, you know, they say there's two good times to invest in real estate, right? One is 20 years ago. Yep. And the second time is today, right? Today. So uh, if I was doing this, if I started over again, I would think bigger sooner. You know, people have this, um, I, I, I came up with this uh, pyramid and I'm happy to send it to you and you can put it in the show notes. Okay. It, it, it mimics the, 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 the little food pyramid that they came out for us on all the healthy foods we should eat, right? Each level brings it higher to the peak. And mm -hmm. so my lowest rung is wholesale. And then the next rung up is fix and flip. 
And then the next rung up is like multifamily. And then the highest rung up is like notes and, and being a lender. And, and people think that they'll, they'll, they'll start with wholesaling. You know, I'll start with wholesaling. I'll make a few dollars, pay down some bills, save enough money. And then I'll go on to fix and flips. And yeah. I'll do fix and flips for a while. And then I'll make some really good money. And that'll give me enough money to do buy and holds. And then once I do buy and holds and some houses and some condos or whatever, then I'll go either into apartments or commercial. And ultimately, when I get all this money, I'll go into notes or hard money lending or invest with others. And, and I'm here to tell you, you can start anywhere. You don't have to yeah. start with wholesaling. If you want to start with apartments, start with apartments. If you want to start with commercial, start with commercial. You don't, you don't have to start at the bottom rung. And yeah. so I think that's a perception that some people think about in investing. And I think that if you want to do commercial, you want to start with fourplexes, that's where you should start. And you know what? And it's, it's funny that you, that you say that because I was talking to an investor about a month ago and he was saying that he wanted to start in a midst, but he had this misperception that, Hey, I need to start at the bottom and work my way up. And he started, you know, doing some wholesaling and then he was doing some fix and flips and then he got into this fix and flipped out that just completely, you know, destroyed his business. And he said, you know, his coach said, well, why are you doing fix and flips if you want to do apartments? He said, well, I got to start with fix and flips in order to get to apartments. He said, no, the same way you learn how to do fix and flips, you learn how to do apartments and you start there. You know, so that's good for the listeners to hear. You know, you don't have to start with wholesaling. You don't have to do fix and flipping. If you want to be in multifamily commercial space, then find somebody that's working in that space and learn from them and start there, you know. So um, that's something that I had to learn because I always wanted to get into multifamily and things like that. And now I'm in that space, but I wasted four or five years learning doing wholesaling and you know single family rentals before I got to you know doing some multifamily so man you're you're dead on with that Stuart absolutely so Stuart tell me man um we're wrapping up here how can we get in contact with you um and I know you were talking about your teaching um and and mentorship opportunities where can people go to find you you know if they want to inquire more about you so, so thank you very much. So, so the, uh, they can go to the website, as everybody has one. It's pretty easy to remember. It's contactstuart.com. <clears throat> and you can spell Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T, or S-T-E-W-A-R-T, either, well, either way, but www.contactstuart.com. <clears throat> and they'll be able to hit a contact me button. I respond to all the emails. Welcome to join our mastermind. We do a monthly mastermind. So I do a lot of stuff that, to bring people together to create a community that is of like-minded people where we can learn, educate, and share our experiences. Because um, I, I remember when I first started, <clears throat> I first started and I, uh, and, and I, I was, was, was uh, working pharmacy and, and doing real estate. And, and I went into the uh, pharmacy on a Monday and I was gonna call and start looking for property, right? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I brought back in the day, they used to have in the newspaper section, they used to have a lot of what they call FISBOs for sale by owner back in the, in the Sunday paper. Yep. So in the day, there were a lot of them. So, so I uh, started calling, and one of the first things I learned calling on a Monday for, for sale by owners is like a lot of people work, and they don't answer their phone right away. So that was the first lesson I learned. And then I, I did get someone that answered the phone. It was a woman, and, um, and I had these list of questions I was going to ask. I thought they were very, you know, very inquisitive. How old's the property? How long have you owned it? All those questions, like a little script, if you will. 
and um and, and and my questions were answered in like five or ten seconds and then i had that uncomfortable silence with the person yep. and i decided to come clean i said hey you know what i'm an investor i'm looking for investment property you know what do you think and the woman said well you know what this is investment property for me and so yeah i'm an investor too and I thought, wow, that's great. You know, maybe we can get together sometime for a cup of coffee and I can pick your brain and we can maybe work together. And then she had this pause and she said, no, I don't, I don't think so. I, I don't want to share my secrets with you. All I'll do is create another competitor in the marketplace and, and I don't want to do that. Oh, wow. And that's a true story. So, um, so, so with that, um, I, I learned that uh, that's not who I want to be. I want to be someone that we can share, create a community, that there's enough for everybody. We come from abundance. I am not yep. going to corner the market on buy and holds in Phoenix, in Chicago, in Albuquerque, in Reno, nowhere. And so if I'm able to share with people and they can learn from my mistakes and they share with me, and I learn from their mistakes. All that can happen is that we all get better. Perfect. Perfect. So if you guys want to reach out to Stuart, if you're here in the Phoenix market or if you're national, you can go to contactstuart.com. That's contactstuart.com. Also, I'll have his LinkedIn profile in the show notes. So all of this information will definitely be in the show notes. So Stuart, wrapping up, man, give me your last word for the day for our listeners. Okay. Last word for the day. Got to be persistence. It's got to be, yeah, stick-to-itiveness. Let me tell you, uh, and I, I, I'm sure you can appreciate this, Marcus. Um, some people ask me a question like, hey, did you ever want to quit before? Like, did you ever get so frustrated you want to quit? And I'm looking at them thinking to myself, oh, you mean last week? <laughs> because it's frustrating every step of the way. Nothing good comes easy. If you want to be proficient and, su and successful at anything, you have to be persistent especially when you don't feel like it. You still got to go to the gym. So if I had to give uh, other than mindset and attitude, it, it's persistence because if you, you know, there's this book by Napoleon Hill, Three Feet from Gold. You, you never know if you're just, as you stack, if the next piece of thing that you do is enough to tilt the scales to bring you to where you want to be. So that would be my word, Marcus, would be persistence. Absolutely. Persistence. So Stuart, thank you. I really appreciate you being on here speaking to people of the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. Guys, again, all of the all of Stuart's contact information will be in the show notes. And we will definitely add that pyramid, that that investor pyramid also. So again, Stuart, thank you. And I appreciate you. Great to be with you. Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash MRCS Maloney, Twitter at MRCS Maloney, and of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guest as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview, or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com, also youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family.
always enjoy the journey.